Okay. Good morning. Good to see you, brother. It's exciting to see God move, isn't it, and doing wonderful things, and uh, what a blessed trip the group had. So we thank the Lord for their safety. We thank the Lord for what they were able to do to bring Christ and reflect His glory in others' lives. How's everyone doing this morning? Good? Good. All right. If you're visiting with us, we're so happy that you are here. As Justin said earlier, we find ourselves in a world where just recently so many people were senselessly killed. So we want to ask everyone to continue to pray for the victims and their families of the shooting in El Paso, Texas, and those in Dayton, Ohio. Lift up your prayers to the Lord that he would bring good out of something so tragic and horrific. And as we have been working through our sermon series, Blessed, and concluding it last week, we are all very aware of the times that we are living in. And this morning, as we transition to a four-part sermon series, four ways to proclaim Jesus with your life, God has chosen, because it's His purpose, to use His people and His church to be a light that shines in the darkness. The light symbolizing the truth, the love, and the goodness of God and His Word in this world. He uses the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in each believer to spur them on to use their individual lives to bring Him glory as they surrender completely to His desire and will for their lives. It doesn't matter if we have more candlelight vigils, more discussions on gun control, more moments of silence. What is needed is people to return to God. What is needed is for people to live with hope, to live with purpose, but not just any hope and not just any purpose, but the purpose and the hope that only God can bring. And He brings it through His Son, Jesus Christ. And without a relationship with Jesus Christ, people are hopeless. And they are wondering. And the most evil and wicked acts can be performed. I was talking with an individual last week who had an opportunity 
maybe to say something to a specific individual that was so far from God. So far from God. You could see it in his look. You could see it in his actions. You could see it in his thinking. Just so far from God. Talking about suicide, talking about killing, listening to music that just went on and on and on, that was hate-filled. Vengeance. Can you say something? Will you say something? Oh, it's hard. It's hard to say something. We're afraid we'll offend. We're afraid that we'll be rejected. We're afraid. And so we say nothing. And people go on. Hopeless. Without purpose. And move further and further into darkness. But Jesus Christ, we know this as His sons and daughters of God, came into this world to be the light that shines in us so that we could live for Him who died for us. And maybe, as we look at our text of the Apostle Paul talking about his life, and what God was doing in His life. Maybe we can be challenged, even convicted in our hearts, to say something. Now I know, speaking out can be risky. I don't know this person. If I say something, they might become angry. It's risky. But it is what God gives us all to do. At different times and in different ways and in different tones, He gives us all the command to go into all the world and seek and save what is lost and to speak the name of Jesus. You say, I don't have the words. I don't know if I would say it right. It doesn't matter. If it's said with a pure heart, the Spirit will use it as God has determined. Your words might be the right words at the right time. But unless we speak them, How will they know? How will they hear? 
And so in the book of Philippians, a book of love and a book of rejoicing in the Lord, Paul talks about something that we all need to consider seriously in our lives. He says, when it comes to Jesus Christ, some proclaim Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. says there's two kinds of people in Paul's time. He said, there are those that are proclaiming Christ and, and some are doing it with a bad motive. And some are doing it with goodwill, a good motive. Well, you can see that today. You see it on TV all the time. Wipe my brow of sweat with a handkerchief, I'll sell it to you. You want to buy it? So you can have healing in your life. abusive, some out of envy, rivalry, but others out of goodwill. Paul is in prison. Now, it's up for debate whether he is in prison at Ephesus or prison in Rome. Most would say he's in prison in Rome, but it doesn't really matter. He's in prison. And why is he in prison? Because he is speaking salvation In the name of Jesus. He is preaching that there is one God that is the creator of the universe. And his word is truth for all of mankind and for all times. And that it is his word that has the power to change a person's life. It is his word that pricks our spirits. I can't prick a spirit. You can't change a life. But the Word of God can change a life. It can break a hard heart and make it soft. That is the power of the Word of God. So, some proclaim Christ from envy. They're jealous over Paul. Paul was used by God in such a unique and wonderful way. And they were envious of Paul. But now Paul's in prison. And, and uh, now's their chance. These proclaim Christ out of love, the goodwill, knowing that I have been put here, Paul says, for the defense of the gospel. He is here to defend the gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the good news. The gospel is that the lost can be found. Those that are doomed can be reborn in the image of Jesus Christ and find eternal salvation to be lost but be found. And it's that treasure that we find in our lives. And when we find that treasure, we let go and sell everything else we have because we've got the treasure. 
When you come to Christianity, when you come to Jesus Christ, it's more than just believing, it's discovering a treasure. A treasure that you want others to discover. And so Paul, while in prison, saying as he writes, there's a lot of different reasons out there that people are proclaiming Christ. In my situation, there are those that don't like me. They're envious of how God's worked in my life. They are my rivals. Then there are those that are preaching Christ out of goodwill. But he says, I am here not to defend myself, not to attack these people in this religious community. I'm here to defend the gospel. Paul doesn't really, in one sense, care about the wrong motive. He's just glad that Christ is being preached. Now, if the gospel was being polluted, Paul would be the first to defend the gospel and say, that's no gospel at all. You're preaching that salvation is by works, that's no gospel at all. You're preaching a gospel other than what God gave us, be eternally condemned because it's no gospel at all. I don't care if an angel from heaven comes down and preaches it, it's no gospel at all. There is the good news. That is the gospel. And that's what he defended. The others proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. There's something in it for them. It's not sincere. But their motive is intended to increase Paul's suffering in his imprisonment. But I want you to notice what surfaces in these three verses. It is the proclamation of Jesus Christ. Paul said, Proclaim Christ. Proclaim Christ. Proclaim Christ. Paul said, this is what I brag about, the gospel. This is what we talked about last week, that although I suffered and endured many hardships and difficulties, imprisonment being won, my freedom being taken away, God was still there and delivering me through all of these things. But what was most important wasn't that I was in prison, It wasn't that I had to go through some hard, difficult things in life. What was most important in Paul's mind and heart was Christ was proclaimed. Have we lost that as a country, churches worldwide that look to Christ? Proclaiming Christ. Proclaiming the gospel. Have we lost it in our churches? Have we lost it in ourselves. It just won't do any good to say anything. They're too far gone. They've taken that worldly path. 
They're on the broad road and the wide gates in their view. It's no use. That's a pessimistic view. That's a satanic view. It is the power of your speech through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit that will touch people's lives. But we have to speak. We have lost in our country and the churches for the most part that evangelistic zeal that says go into not only our country but in all the world and make disciples baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We have lost that sense of zeal in evangelism. We've lost the zeal to speak out because we're afraid or we're embarrassed or we're uncomfortable. But God does not give us a spirit of timidity. He doesn't give us a spirit of fear. He gives us a spirit that says, I am committed to stand on Jesus Christ. I am committed to be buried in His truth. It is my life. It defines me. It's everything to me. And therefore, I must speak. There's a fire in my bones. The fire created by the Holy Spirit. I can't contain myself. We desire to speak with the right motive. But in the relationships that we have, it's all God's timing when to speak. We don't just go off like a loose cannon and start firing away. We don't stand on the street corners across the country and hold up signs that are hate-filled and people's going to hell. That's not who we are. We are sons and daughters of the most merciful, all-comforting God, a God that is full of love, but a God that tells us without one receiving the gospel in their lives, they are doomed in this life and they are doomed in the life to come. It is that straightforward and truthful. And so we proclaim, we speak out, we speak with humble boldness, we speak with love, we make the most of every opportunity that we have We're not so consumed with the hobbies of our lives that we aren't living out the essence of who God has made us to be. So we proclaim. We proclaim Christ again and again. And that's what Paul was speaking to the Philippians as he was talking about his situation. Look at the next part of the scripture. What does it matter, Paul says, Just this, that Christ is proclaimed in every way. He just can't get away from speaking out, proclaiming Christ. Whether it's a word or whether it's an action. There's many ways to proclaim Christ. 
and never say anything but just be. Just do. Because when you embrace the true teachings of our Lord, you are illuminated and stand out. And there is probably, probably, I don't mean to be harsh, but I'm preaching to me too, okay? But here's where probably the next problem is. that we have not surrendered our life to the degree that people see anything different in us than they see in people of the world. We claim Christ, but we have no joy. We claim Christ, but there's no happiness. There's claiming of Christ, but there's no commitment. I think I shared last week or so an article that was given to me. One of the biggest publishers of Christian literature in the South, especially, is Lifeway. Over half a century, publishing, publishing, publishing. And then they decided they had to go out of business. They couldn't do it anymore. And a religious community went crazy. You can't do this. You've been around too long. You do too much good. What are you talking about? This is, this is almost blasphemous. And life weighs like, We have been here 50 plus years. And we have done and given and donated. But you don't buy your books from us. You buy them off Amazon. There's a real Christian company. You like the idea of us. But you're not committed to us. And therefore, we can't stay in business. And we have to close the doors. And God will find another way of His proclamation going out through different avenues like that. But we get all riled up. Christian communities do. You can't do this. We have to do it. You aren't committed. And the priest that was writing the article that was sharing the story with his congregation said, I haven't bought a book from him in 10 years. It always reminds me of my sister falling to pieces when the little prairie Christian church that I grew up in decided they were going to cancel Wednesday night services. They can't do it. It's got to be there. And I said, Susan, you don't even go. What do you mean? Calm down or go. 
But don't throw a fit about something you don't even support. What we've got to decide as churches worldwide, across America, here in our little flock, do we want and will we proclaim Christ with our lives in what we say and in what we do? Doesn't matter the motive, although it does. But really, Paul said, big picture, it doesn't matter the rivalry they have with me or the envy or they see my imprisonment as their opportunity to do what they want to do and get a bigger following or whatever it is that they're trying to do to make my imprisonment even more difficult. What matters is just this. That Christ is proclaimed in every way, whether out of false motives or true. And in that I rejoice. What a powerful truth. You know, Paul is basically saying, and I love this about the Apostle Paul, I'm not in competition with anybody. I'm not trying to be a better preacher than Peter. Not trying to outdo the church down the road. It is God who gifts and it is God whose will is carried out. It is God who gives the increase. It is God who gives the decrease. Paul isn't in competition. He's just about doing what God has given him to do. He's getting ready to talk about being in imprisonment and his life is at risk. He's not for sure, but he thinks that he might be killed, but he's hoping that he won't because it's better that he stays and continues the work. It's better for the people. But the essence is I want to proclaim Christ. Now be honest. Is that you? Are you proclaiming Christ in every way? Does your lifestyle proclaim Christ? Listen, church, family, brothers and sisters. We worry more about politics and taking sides than we do about proclaiming Christ. We wear pins to show our political views. We wear ties to show the loyalty our country and I I get all that we wear hats with who we support but when's the last time you saw someone wear humbly a hat with a cross on it is this
this where you are in your personal life because I know, I believe that Scripture tells us God has divine appointments for each and every one of us and we can speak a word of grace and mercy whether it's in our own family or whether it's with a friendship group or whether it's in a workplace. The time is right because the fields are white unto harvest because people are living in a world where they are hopeless. I don't know what went on with the young shooter at the Walmart in El Paso, Texas. But one thing I would risk my life believing is that he was not a devoted follower of Jesus Christ. And whatever brought him to that point to kill 20 people just killed 20 people that he didn't know. And it sounds like wounded another 26. We don't know how bad they are. He's not in his right mind. And when you're not in your right mind, it's because you don't have the right relationship with the Lord. And maybe this was a long building thing for him one disappointment one failure one discouragement one whatever it was and hindsight's 2020 but maybe if someone would have said I want to share something with you and to share it in that unique way that God gives but to share it with confidence and boldness he rejoices that Christ is proclaimed and yes I will continue to rejoice why because Paul says for I know that through your prayers the church is praying for Paul, and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. Now, that doesn't mean he's going to get out of jail. But that God will continue to work in his life and that he will continue boldly, faithfully, lovingly, devotedly to speak God's truth. It is my eager expectation and my hope that I in no way will be put to shame in any way, but that by my speaking in all boldness. There's a time for a gentle word, and there's a time for a bold word. And a bold word doesn't have to be a harsh yelling at the top of your voice. A bold word is that conversation that speaks a hard truth to someone that 
needs to hear it. The results are God's, not yours. A bold word, if it's taken the wrong way, but given with the right heart and motive as it applies to the gospel, is God's area through the Spirit. Someone responds negatively, rejects you, it is to your honor. If you are rejected because in the right time you say to someone that God has brought into your life, there is no purpose without God. And God has written eternity on your heart and you do not have Him in your life. You can say His name. You can sit in a church pew. You can have a Bible on your tabletop. It is not saying that you know Him. Paul wants to speak with boldness. The Spirit has to move on individual hearts. And as Jesus is drawing and and knocking on people's hearts, saying, come to me, trust me, trust my word, follow my teaching, be loyal, commit, surrender, sacrifice. And when a person responds and opens the door, Paul says, Christ is elevated. Christ is lifted up. Christ is seen as a good thing by his speaking that boldness. None of us will ever do it perfectly. But I'm going to tell you something. It's time that we take a stand individually. And it's time to ruin some people's days if it saves their soul. Young people, lead the way. We're supposed to be leading the way. Lead the way. Lift high the banner of Christ with your lives. I pray that we would all lead the way. Christ will be exalted now as always in my body, whether by life or by death. Paul says, I'm in prison. Right now I'm alive. I hope to stay alive for your sake, but I would rather leave this life and be with Christ. And I think there, for many of us, is the third problem. J.W. McLaren, good southern Christian gentleman. He's in heaven with the Lord now. 
But when I read this, I think of a comment that he used to make when Danielle and I was in the Eagleville, Tennessee, a little church of Christ of about 50, 60 people, and every one of them was retired like grandparents to us. He said, I want to go to heaven, but I just don't want right now. But up against Paul's heart, I want to go to heaven now. But I feel like God's revealing to me that I'm going to tarry here on earth a little bit longer for your benefit. See the difference? The third problem is that we love the world more than our Savior. And when you love the Savior more than the world, you'll take the risk and proclaim Christ. And then when you can step back and see God do the work and change life, you'll give Him glory. And when you see someone reject Christ and respond ugly and evil, you'll wipe the dust from your feet and leave that door. Or someone is hostile to what you are sharing, you hear the words of Jesus. It's time to quit casting your pearls before swine. Let us be the people that don't talk about God vaguely, but proclaim clearly that His Son, Jesus Christ, is the answer to their problems. And that God Himself is the only Spirit that can fill their being and make them whole. For me, living is Christ and dying is gain. If we're in this world, we're going to live for Jesus. We're going to proclaim the Lord. And if He calls us home, it's even a greater gain. Because now we're not in this world and the relationship no longer marred by sin, we're with the Lord. Paul clearly did not believe in soul sleep. He believed when you pass this life in whatever way, and it's hard to know exactly what way, but dying is gain. Listen to what Paul says in the next book in his epistle, Colossians 4. Devote yourselves to prayer. Be watchful and thankful. And pray for us too that God may what? Open a door for our message. Paul says to the Colossian church, like he's talking to the Philippian church, we want our words to be blessed by God. We want to speak those words boldly. 
Pray that God will open the door. Do you get up as children redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ? Do you get up young or old and pray, Lord, open a door for me today in some way to live out a reflection of you that will change someone else's life, that will prick their heart. Give me a way, Lord, a message, a word. It's like, oh man, I got enough stuff of my own. I ain't got, I ain't got room to take on more. They got a lot of problems. Pray that God would open a door for our message so that what? We may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Proclaim, 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 proclaim. Use your life to proclaim Christ. Be wise in the way that you act toward outsiders, non-believers. Make the most of every opportunity with them. Let your conversation always be full of grace. Grace is that understanding it's that flavor of sweetness it's that non-judgmental flavor but let your conversation with non-believers assuming they're happening be flavored with the grace of God the grace that you've experienced let it be seasoned with all which is a metaphor to say be wise be wise in how you proclaim Christ And this will allow you to always be ready to give an answer to everyone. Not an intellectual answer. In the book of Acts chapter 17, the Apostle Paul is on Mars Hill. And he is guided and filled with the Holy Spirit. And he is defending the gospel. And they are all talking about the latest ideas. It's almost like a scene from today. It could be the latest ideas. What do you think about this? What do you think about that? What do you think about homosexuality? What do you think about genders? What do you think about this one? What do you think about that one? What, what is it? These are ideas. We're tossing them around. We're intellectuals. We are philosophers. We're, we're talking about the latest ideas. Paul, like, let me tell you about Jesus Christ crucified. Buried, raised from the dead on the third day. Resurrected and ascended into heaven at the right hand side of God Almighty. And he's coming back. The response, he's a babbler by many. He's nuts. This is ridiculous. But some, some believed. More were interested. 
It was Paul's job to share Christ crucified and resurrected, the gospel message. It was God's work to touch hearts. We must and should proclaim Jesus Christ with our lives. And when that is happening under the leadership and authority of the Holy Spirit, churches will fill up. Commitments will grow strong. Blue space will be gone. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we know in many ways we've not spoken when we needed to speak or not lived our life in a way that others would see you. And Lord, as we are in this little series, we just ask that you will convict each and every one of us to proclaim you so that we can watch you work and bring redemption to the lost, And Lord, to be able to persevere and be steady heart when we see those that reject you. Lord, it's not about bigger churches. We've got plenty of those. And we praise you for those ones that we have that are doing so much. Lord, we know whether it's big or small, there's people sit week after week and they're not yours. And we pray this morning that the way we worship you will move someone to realize that you are God, to fall on their knees and to speak forth, surely the Lord is here in this place. specifically ask you to be with this little flock here, Lord. Let us be effective. Let us speak boldly. Let us pray for open doors. Let us be lives changed. Let the gospel be our bragging point.